Greetings and welcome back to TanakhStudy.com. In this program, we study one chapter of Tanakh in each podcast. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom. And I'm delighted to be studying Sefer Divrei Hayamim with you. We are now in Divrei Hayamim Bet, Perak Chavchet. We heard in the previous very pre, a very uh, short Perak, the uh, rule of Yotam, uh, who was righteous like his father Uziyahu, actually righteous uh, further than his father Uziyahu, did not break in the middle. And now we hear about Yotam's son Ahaz, who takes over for him, and the story is quite tragically different. Perak Chavchet, Divrei Hayamim Bet. So we get the typical introduction. We're told how old the king is when he rules, how long he rules. Um, and here, what's left out is his mother's name, which usually goes along with it. He ruled for 16 years. That makes him 36 when he dies. So uh, we get the sense that his career was not uh, star-studded. He did not do what is straight in the eyes of God, as did David, his ancestor. And we look back, and we see that among the kings preceding Ahaz, most of them, at least the way Divrei describes them, started out, if not their entire career, being righteous. And here we come to Ahaz, who from the get-go, we're told, is not. He follows the way of Machei Yisrael, who are involved in Avodah Zarah, since the days of Ahaz. Now, Masecha, which in modern Hebrew means a mask, actually means something that's molten. So he made molten images for Baal. So he not only allowed Avodah Zarah, he actually manufactured for it. V'huiktir be'gevenhinom. Gevenhinom is a place we hear about famously in Sefer Yemiyahu, the valley outside of, uh, of uh, Ir David, where uh, the Molech worship uh, took place. And he was offering up to Baal in Geben Hinom. Vayaver et banav ba'esh. He burned up his sons in the fire. This is the worship of Molech. We'll talk about it at the end of the Pasuk. To avot ha-goyim, like the abominations of the nations. Hashor risha Adonai b'nei Yisrael. That Hashem had dispossessed in favor of b'nei Yisrael. In other words, the Canaanite nations had this worship. Hundreds of years ago, we had taken the land from them. And nonetheless, this worship was evidently kept at least in some secret way uh, and Ahaz then uh, reinitiated it uh, the worship of Molech now uh, there's two ways of reading Vayaver Panav the uh, simplest way which is highly unlikely is that he actually burned his kids up and threw throwing them into a fire the more likely way is passing the children over the fire is sort of dedicating them to the worship of Molech and dedicating them to Molech uh, sometime after their birth in any case, it is an abomination and spells very bad times for us. So he slaughtered, in other words, offerings, and burnt incense on the high places and on the mountains. And underneath all of the fresh trees, uh, this is the, borrowing the language from Sefer Dvarim, the fresh trees where the, uh, where the worship would take place of the Canaanite nations. So God handed him over to the king of Aram. We're going to hear the details of this. So the king of Aram, but Vayakuvo is plural. They smote him, meaning they smote a lot of of Israel, of the Yehudim, people from Yehuda, and they took a great captivity, a great number of captivity. They brought them to Damascus. He was also handed over to the king of Israel, 
and uh, suffered great losses there. And this takes us to Yeshayahu Perek Zayim, Bimei Achaz, uh, that Yeshayahu uh, that tells us about Pekach ben Rebaliyahu, the king of Israel, and the king of Aram conspiring together to take over Yehuda and install their own king, Ben Taval. That, as Yeshayahu says, doesn't happen, but up until that does happen. So the king of Israel killed 120,000 on one day in Yehudah. All of them soldiers. Why? Because they had abandoned Hashem, the God of their fathers. In other words, they were the soldiers of Ahaz. And therefore, they all suffered this terrible fate. Vayarog zichri gibor Ephraim at Maaseyahu ben HaMelech that as we come negid habayit. So, at Elkanah, Mishneh HaMelech, three great leaders of Achaz were killed by um, by this zichri, a, a, a champion of the north, uh, the the prince Maaseyahu, and the uh, chief of staff over the uh, palace as we come, and Elkanah, who was the uh, viceroy, as it were. And the emphasis here is that the Israel is brethren with the South, something we have not yet heard uh, as a sentiment uh, in Divrei Amim. We hear it here because of what's going to follow. They captured 200,000 women and boys and girls. And took a great loot from them. They brought it all to Shomron. And we would expect at this point that Yehuda is somewhat going to be crushed, and that will perhaps even spell the end of Yehuda, and Yisrael will be ascendant. Interesting thing happens. We hear about a prophet whose name is Oded in Shomron. Uh, he goes in front of the army that comes to Shomron with all of these people, the captivity and the loot. And he says to them, God was angry uh, at Yehuda uh, and handed them over to you. In other words, this was God's doing. Uh, evidently, the army was quite convinced by this because perhaps they were surprised by the ease of their victory. You were able to kill them ruthlessly. It was ruthlessness and numbers that were all the way to heaven. So you now are intending, Atamomrim here means intending, to take these children of Yehuda and Yushalayim and take them as slaves and slave girls. said, you also are guilty. You also have guilt towards God. In other words, you don't have moral superiority or religious superiority over these people that you can take them. And remember, it's God's doing that you got them. And so now, because you don't have that superiority, what you should do is you should let them go. And now we'll hear something astounding about the north. So these four leaders of the northern army, and of course the north is often called Ephraim, they said, don't bring the captivity to here. That is going to be a guilt towards God on us if we take them as captives. They're accepting what the Navi said. And it would add to our sins that are already there. 
Interesting statements from leaders of the North. Ki we have great guilt as it is, v'charon afal Yisrael, and God is very angry at us. V'yazov so the front leaders of the army, abandoned at Tashivya v'tabiza, all of the loot, they put them in front of the community, in front of the political leaders, and said, okay, here they are, do what you want, essentially. So the people that we mentioned earlier, by name, they took the captivity, now what do they do with them? They took all of the naked ones, meaning that they weren't properly clothed, and they took clothing from the loot and clothed them. In other words, their own captives, who were perhaps in undergarments or in scanty garments, they took garments from their own loot and put it on them. And they dressed them. They gave them shoes. They fed them. They gave them drink. They anointed them. Put them oils. And they helped the people who were not able to walk. They put them on donkeys. They led them all the way to Yericho, famous the city of dates. Yericho Yeratmarim to be with their brothers, meaning they led them back to Yehuda, fed and transportation and taken care of. They returned to Shomron. So a very surprising move as Yehuda is going down in perdition of the uh, sinful ways of Ahaz. The north is suddenly experiencing a sense of tshuva that we've already sinned and this would be a terrible sin and listen to the Navi and they return all these people. Uh, interesting, this narrative uh, in Masachat Sotah becomes part of the inspirational talk of the Kohen Mashuach Milchama when he inspires the, the troops to go out to war and says, don't be afraid. He says, do not think that you're fighting against Yisrael, who if you're taken captive, then they will dress you and they'll clothe you and they'll send you back. But these are your enemies who are ruthless and therefore you have to be strong. But at that time, meaning not after this, but during this time when there's a war against Israel and Israel is winning, he sent a message to Assyria. And of course, in retrospect, this seems to be a highly bizarre move. But he sends a message to Syria, Assyria, to be his ally against Israel and against Aram. The Adomim Ba'u. Then, besides that, he got attacked from the south by the Adomim from the southeast. They uh, attacked in Yehuda and they took captivity. Uflishtim Pashtu, and then he got from the southwest, attacked from the Plishtim. They raided in, and Plishtim will come in whenever they can. And remember that the kings before him had spent their domestic policy on, or focused their domestic policy on building up strong fortress cities in the south. And evidently that had been abandoned here, and Achaz was vulnerable, and they attacked from the south. from the lowlands and from the south, from the desert. They took Beit Shemesh, which is somewhat west of our Beit Shemesh. All these cities are in the in the lower hills and in the flatlands of Yehuda. Gimzo is a town near Lod, a very famous town uh, in history. They, they one of the teachers of Rabbi Akiva, a fellow named Nachum Ish Gimzo, came from Gimzo. Uh, that's why they play with his name and call him Gamzu, but the name is Gimzo. Vayeshvusham. And the Plishtim all settled there. So now the lower part of Yehuda and the western part of Yehuda is being infiltrated by Plishtim. 
Why is all this happening? God has subjugated Yehudas, pushed them down because of their king, Achaz Melech Yisrael. Yehudah, he in this case, not like the modern sense of Lahafriya to bother, but Yehudah means he made them parua, he made them boundless. He made them without limitations. And he himself was guilty of trespass against God. And now, Vayavolav, and this is of course very famous from Yeshayahu, Tilgat Pil Neser, who is called Tigalat Pil Eser in Melachim, Melach Ashur. Now remember, he had, he, uh, Achaz had sent to Ashur for help. So now the king of Ashur comes, Instead of helping, he came and set a siege around him and did not support him. Achaz took part of the things in the Mikdash and in the palace he gave them to the king of Ashur as bribe it didn't help meaning he didn't help it didn't, it didn't, he didn't, the bribe didn't work and at the time of this siege Achaz went further in his trespass. Who Hamelach Achaz? And here Chazal famously say, Who Hamelach Achaz? Who Sofo? This same Achaz who started out bad is just as bad. He hasn't changed at all. And you would think from all of these things that have happened to him that he would have a change of heart. Doesn't happen. And so now he offers up offerings to the gods of the kings of Damesek, Kamakimbo. This is a uh, Bizarre irony is the the uh, the enemy who's attacking him. He offers up offerings to their god. Vayomer. Well, here's his reasoning. After all, their gods are helping them. I'll offer up to them. They'll help me too. In meantime, what they do is they simply trip him up and they trip everybody up with him. It sounds, by the way, as if. Uh, from that, that pasuk and the earlier pasukim about the army, that the people have actually followed Achaz in this, and nobody's challenged him. So Achaz then needing more bribes, as it were, to bribe the king of Ashur, takes the vessels of the Beit Hamikdash, which in Malachim are detailed, which vessels. He cuts them off. Sounds like he peels off the precious metals. He closed up the Beit Hamikdash. Closing up the Beit Hamikdash seems to mean he stopped the the Avodah. Instead, he set up altars in every corner of Yerushalayim. He set up mizbachot altars in every city of Yehudah to offer up incense to other gods. Obviously, he greatly angered God. And this is where the common phrase Rishonim Vachonim is surprising. Because we've seen Dvarav Drachav Rishonim Vachonim in the context of, uh, of Uziyahu, in the context of Asa, who had a promising beginning and then something went wrong later. And we hear both about his earlier life and his later, less religious life, as it were. But here, Achaz is all the same all the way through. But using the pattern of Rishonim Vachonim, so they use it here as well. You can find the rest of his story in Sefer Malachim, indeed Malachim Bet Perak Tzayin. Achaz died with his ancestors, uh, lay with his ancestors. However, they buried him in the city. They didn't bring him to the royal tombs or the royal catacomb. 
And here enters a golden era with his son, the very righteous Yechizkiyahu. Uh, just as an introduction to Chizkiyahu and a, and a, and a ending point, a sort of coda to this parak, is that Chizkiyahu, considered to be perhaps among the two or three most righteous kings we ever had, uh, is uh, identified in the Mishnah, perhaps Tosefta, in the fourth paragraph of Psachim, as having done six famous things, three of which the Chachamim approved of, and three of which they did not approve of. And one of the things he did that they did approve of is he had a degrading funeral for his father. Because his father, of course, not only worshipped, but mandated and established Abu Dazarak around the country and so when he died, Chizkiyahu gave him a funeral, they say, al chavalim, put him on a rope bed to bury him. Uh, this seems to be what's hinted to in our Pasuk, uh, that he was not buried in the proper burial spot of the kings of Israel. Okay, we'll pause at this point and pick it up with the beginning of the curve of Chizkiyahu. We'll have a number of chapters devoted to Chizkiyahu. Um, and uh, we'll read about this glorious era, including many, many things that we do not read about in Sefer Malachim. In the meantime, we'll pick it up in Parakhaftet. In the meantime, we should have a wonderful day.